Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Everybody, I write content over there multiple times a week for DFS and season long, and you can find the Bench with Bubba podcast over there if you're not just downloading it from your listening platforms. And I want to let you guys know you can win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS premium pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new team sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, reacher stations, lineup optimizers, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, you get your MLB premium pass for an extra 10% off using discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com today and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome everybody to another edition of Bubba in the Bloom, episode three. We have real baseball to talk about today, folks. We promised it to you last Thursday and it came true. We have real baseball to talk about. I think it was like seven games on uh, on Thursday here. There's still a couple going on as we speak. So we'll have some fun stuff to chat up there. Some recent news, some good, some bad. And just an all-around just fun time talking baseball because we have some good stuff to talk about. I'm on Twitter at BDentric, and my co-host, as always, the Bloom portion of the show on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, man? Doing fantastic, Bubba. Uh, last main event draft last night. Uh, could not sleep after that, of course, because the adrenaline was flowing. Opening day, Eve, all of those feels. Woke up this morning, took the kids to, gate, to daycare, and then uh, instead of turning left to go back to my house to go to work, I hung a right. Went to the golf course. Played, love it, love it. Play golf with a buddy here. That um, my, my buddy Scott, who's in our, our home league, new listener to the show as well, and then went over to his house and watched opening day. So it was a glorious day. Uh, sounds like a, a little bit of Masters day. in between, and yeah, like our worlds collided today. It was fantastic. Yeah, like I, I joked about it. I think on my Tuesday show, I'm like, I just need to like call in sick on thursday and friday i didn't i just you know i had my ipad up in my truck and i could hear it streaming and stuff and doing all that i wasn't sitting there watching it. people don't panic but um <laughs> like i was if i was like stopped i could watch it and do that all that kind of stuff but it, it was it was glorious like for those that don't realize it uh, ryan and i we love golf also so the masters is quite the deal 
Um, and he inspired me because I went and um, when I got off of work, I put my headphones in and I went and walked nine. Come on, like, I got to go hit some balls. Got to go have some fun. I've been doing that as often as I can because I can knock that out pretty quick on my own. So went and did that and I uh, caught up on baseball. It's uh, it's beautiful to um, – I joked because most people like it and get the joke. Some people think it's annoying. I don't care, but I like to like, you know, so-and-so dong. Like it's just one of my th- like, things I love to do. And like I finally got to do my oh, – I've missed that so much. I saw, the, I saw the – I think it was the Tyler O'Neill dong. Yep, because like, I have a lot is, of shares. I have a lot of life shares. Life is good I'm again. Pumped. Yeah, it's funny, like, like the the things you forget about with opening day, like the, just the little things. So um, I saw like a lineup tweet this morning. I was yeah. like, whoa, um, I, I remember I have a notification on my phone. There's an MLB HR yep. uh, home run account that just tweets out automatic. It's just a bot, but it tweets out every time someone hits a home run. And I was like, damn forgot about that the last time that thing tweeted was i think freddie freeman in the world series so <laughs> just little stuff like that that like that's part of your kind of hourly routine almost yeah. in season that instantly goes away in off season then switches right back on and and uh and yeah like having all that stuff come back today was was, was all good feelings all around yep it was all good feelings plus tiger woods one under like it's whatever could yeah. go right seemed to go right um it's 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 good stuff as you said so We'll talk a little opening day here in a minute, but we'll, we do have some recent news to discuss. A little trade took place. Um, the San Diego Padres have their closer now because it is announced. They said Tyler or Taylor Rogers will be the closer for the Padres, which is fun after everyone spent money on Robert Flores and everything else over the last few days. So you got Rogers in uh, San Diego now, and Chris Paddock went over to Minnesota. There were some other minor pieces like Brent Rooker went to San Diego, who he could become a little – you know, mess with playing time for some, but the main piece is Rogers Paddock. Let's go one by one here. We'll start with Paddock first. Um, you know, he was he, like this burst onto the scene a couple of years ago. It was awesome. Then he's had some issues because he's a two pitch pitcher working on the third pitch. It's been kind of a an up and down thing for him. Um, maybe a change of scenery is going to help. Maybe pitching in a rough division or a bad division is going to help. What's your thoughts on Paddock going to Minnesota and maybe? becoming more fantasy relevant again or is just still concerned i mean i think at this point a change of scenery is best for chris paddock it obviously what you know whatever was what what they were doing in san diego was was not working i think the best thing at this point in his career we know chris paddock has the talent i mean he was he was a, a, a top one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball and he showed us why in the majors in in 2019 so we know he can do it Things just kind of got off the rails, a little bit of injury and that sort of thing. Um, even even a little bit last year, I I, I think so. Yeah, the, the change of scenery is 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 good for him. I think he's um, he's in a better spot with Minnesota in terms of they obviously see something in him if they gave up Taylor Rogers to get Chris Paddock. There were some signs from Chris Paddock last year before some oblique, some elbow injuries torpedoed his second half that. Um, he could kind of get back to what we saw his rookie year. That was trying to mix in a curveball. Um, Paddock is so uh, fastball changeup heavy. Mixed in a little curveball and had a career high swing strike rate, thirteen percent swing strike rate in the first half last year with a three eighty four expected ERA. Like that's pretty good uh, peripherals before, of course, it all went down the hill and he got hurt and, and things unraveled in the second half. Um, but so there are signs that. Uh, that that improvement could be there and you couple that with a new regime a new set of eyes in minnesota like i think given where chris paddock was taken in draft season i think it's worth a a gamble i mean i'm I'm not saying i'd i'd throw down you know a a ton of money in fab or or whatnot but he's worth a stab given the 
combination of prospect pedigree, what we saw in the first half from Paddock last year, and again, a new organization, a new pitching coach to uh, kind of remix those ingredients and see what uh, comes out of that. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I- I'm intrigued just because we know what he was. We know a third pitch, like he's still young. You'd imagine he'll f- eventually figure out that third pitch, hopefully figure out that third pitch. And if he does, that could be pretty filthy. Like we've seen what it did for Tyler Glass now. Now I'm not comparing the two by any means, but just the addition of that third pitch can bring the stuff that made you so good before and just enhance it. And it's it's pretty simple stuff to discuss, but it really does make a huge difference. That's why there were so many critiques before. Like, you, you know, it works for now until they figure it out. But that third pitch can be tremendous. And I'm, I'm curious because getting to work on that third pitch against certain teams in that division isn't going to hurt. So that mm-hmm. that's, that's a big plus for him. Um, yeah, we'll see. Like you said, I'm not running out to go make moves on him. There's probably other guys I'd rather go take flyers on. Like I know we talked about him a lot last week and I went and picked him up as anywhere I could. Like I'd still rather have Michael Walker next week in two starts than go and get Chris Paddock. Like there's scenarios like that, but depending on the depth of your league, you know, AL only league, like there's, there's good, he's going to get starts and we know in like AL only leagues, that's a big deal. Like for, um, please forgive me. Tout or labor? Aren't you in AL only league? AL labor, or sorry, AL tout. Yeah, AL tout. Where, where? Yes, he will be heavily bidded on um, this coming Fab period. So, you know, in in your in your deep AL only leagues, yes, this is somebody who you absolutely need to look at. Like for example, I mean, so on on Wednesday night, AL tout ran the first Fab since we drafted in like mid March, Mm -hmm. and the 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 big fish was AJ Pollock. And, you know, because of the trade from uh, from L.A. Um, over to American League. And I put in my bid at like three hundred fifty two dollars. It's a thousand dollar fab budget. I was like, oh, that's pretty aggressive. I actually I really like A.J. Pollock. The replacement level in AL only is like nothing. And he went for seven hundred and one dollars out of a thousand with two backup bids over six hundred. So it's kind of like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in those deep leagues, anything, especially on the hitter side, a little more on the pitcher side, but anyone with a pulse and anyone who has skills is is they will be aggressively bid upon. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens with Paddock um, this Sunday night in Tau. It's a good point you make because hitters is so much harder to find that consistent playing time where pitchers yeah. like injuries happen throughout the year. You're going to find guys that are relevant for like a month or two at a time. And that's kind of a more of an up and down. I wouldn't say fluid thing, but more doable. So that makes it interesting because I remember um, we had a listener question on Tuesday and they were like, I'm in an AL only league. How much should we spend on Pollock? And I was like, I guarantee he goes for at least 550 to 600, if not more. And I had to explain to Toby because he doesn't play only leagues about like how important those at bats are. Like people mm-hmm. will break the bank for those at bats. It's a different animal. And um, then when I saw Patrick David got him for seven something, I was just like, yeah, seven it's wild, but it, it makes sense. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see where, where, where Paddock goes. It'll be, very, very intriguing. Now the fun part, and we'll get back to Minnesota in a minute because this does affect Minnesota, but we'll go to San Diego here to Taylor Rogers, who we talked about on recent shows about how much we kind of were interested in him as a closer, like a mid-round option and a closer two or whatever. And I know I've been drafting him. We talked about him. Well, now he goes to San Diego. My first thought was, don't do this again. We just saw like Kimbrough get traded and that messed up the Trinan thing. We've seen Kenley Jansen go somewhere. I'm like, stop with all this. And at least they came out and said today, like a couple hours before we started recording, that Rodgers is our closer in San Diego. Like straight up our closer. Nothing to worry about there, at least at least for now. You know, it's coach speak. So that's a little refreshing. So what's your thoughts on Rodgers going there? And if 
for some reason you were one that went in on Robert Suarez or someone else. How are you handling that situation? I, I, I couldn't hear you, but I, th- I think, I think that was Colin Weatherwax laughing as, <laughs> as you were, you were talking there, Colin, uh, Colin chimed in with a listener question on our first show and uh, asked what we felt about Tyler or uh, Taylor Rogers as a top mm-hmm. 100 pick. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And obviously couldn't see this coming, but yeah, no. like Taylor Rogers now is a bona fide, I would say top 10 closer. I'm kicking myself because in the main event last night, uh, my colleague, Brian Rudd at Baseball HQ was drafting right in front of me, Team 12. I was Team 13, and he took Taylor Rogers one pick ahead of me in the seventh round. And so um, that was a great pick by him, and I'm, I'm kicking myself over not getting Rogers there because, yeah, with the regular job, I mean, that was the only thing that was holding me back from Rogers was Minnesota's kind of history of mixing and matching and going a little bit committee that's pretty much out the window like uh, i don't really need to talk about how good taylor rogers is um it's it was really about the role and that and that's gone now it, if you did get if you did draft robert suarez like that it, it it just sucks like it's bad luck that's closer roulette um if you have a glaring need i would say he's droppable i yeah, i think you need to be aggressive especially early in the season on some of these early fab breakouts and things like that you need to speculate and you need to be aggressive in your drops and i think holding robert suarez basically you're just kind of waiting for taylor rogers to fail and i don't think that's going to happen so it it kind of sucks especially if you drafted late in draft mm-hmm. season to give up on like a 10th round pick uh, but that's a sunk cost and you can't let that affect your decision making going forward i think you need to be aggressive and and drop even in 15 team mixed leagues um drop suarez unfortunately yeah, I 100% agree. And it's one of those, like, if you don't have a glaring weakness and you want to hold them for a week or two, yeah, okay. Maybe. But there's yep. probably going to be someone coming up on Sunday night that's worth putting a bit in for, and he makes an easier drop than maybe some other question marks you have. Let's put it that way. Um, it stinks. Like you said, you're basically waiting for Rodgers to get hurt or lose his job, and I think he has to be pretty bad to lose his job because it seems like the Padres are pretty faithful. Um, we saw Melanson keep the job all last year with some very competent arms back there. Uh, I believe the year before, I think it was, you know, a couple options going into the season and they pretty much locked into one dude. Like they're pretty, pretty much an organization that runs pure. Now they know the coaching staff shifted around. So we'll see. But it seems like they traded for a reason and they they were willing to come out and say what they said, I think speaks volumes because they didn't have to. They just said, we got a lefty, we got a righty. We're going to do like the Giants are doing. Like it's McGee's 70% and then Rodgers or Duvall. They could have easily done that and not said a word, but they didn't. And that's what makes it interesting to me. So, um, yeah, it's a benefit to those that drafted Rodgers and the not to those with Suarez. And that's just the breaks we get, as you said. It just it happens. It's happened all over the place. So do what you got to do there. Now the fun, because with Minnesota, like you said, it was no, it was never doubting Rodgers' talent. It was there was like three other options there, and they were all chomping at the bit, waiting to get their shot. And we even saw it last year. When Rogers scuffled a bit, he lost his job, and then he kind of was in and out towards the end. And we wouldn't be shocked if that happened again. Plus, he was rumored to get traded about midseason. Well, it happened before the season now. So you have, like, looking at uh, our buddy uh, Greg Jewett. He already updated his chart, and I won't give everything away because you got to pay for it. But I'll tell you what he did with Minnesota here. There, well, here's the options. Let's put it this way. I'll tell you how he listed them. But you have Alcala, who everyone loved, like, a month ago, two weeks ago, and then kind of got nervous about. You got Pagan, you got Columba, because Emilio Pagan came over in the deal. Mm-hmm. You got Tyler Duffy. It's a lot of people, Ryan. It's a lot of people. 
how are you approaching this? A lot of bodies. Um, I, if I was saying how I think this will go, I'd, I'd be lying because I have no idea yeah. um, until we actually see what they do. And we haven't, I, I have not even heard, at least today, I haven't heard anything from Minnesota. They didn't play today. Yeah. Um, so it, this is all total guesswork and could be irrelevant by the time this weekend hits. Yep. Um, if I if I was just totally taking a stab at this, I would I would guess it's a committee. If I had to pick one uh, that might stand out, it would be Tyler Duffy. I think mm-hmm. he would be next in line. I know Alcala is the kind of the the hipster name, the sexy name. He's got the skills, but Tyler Duffy's been pretty good in that bullpen for a long time. Last year was you know just okay, a three eighteen ERA for Duffy, but in twenty twenty Duffy had a one eighty eight ERA, twenty nineteen a two fifty. ERA like that's and that 250 ERA was over 58 innings with the skills to boot a 16% swing strike rate uh, over the last three seasons combined and the strikeout and walk rates to uh, to back that up too. So Duffy, I think if he if if Duffy got the role, he could be a, a, a top 15 closer. I just don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah, if I'm speculating on one, it would be Tyler Duffy. If I'm speculating on someone else and I, I took and I was always glad to see Phil DeSoto do the same thing that I do in a main. I took a 30th round final rounds stab at Emilio Pagan um, yeah. as did Phil just on the off chance that I, th- I thought he was going to get traded. And if he got traded as part of that deal, that maybe Minnesota sees enough in Pagan that, that they elevate him to the closer role. I have no idea if that's going to happen. If it doesn't, I'll cut him. Uh, but that's where I stand right now is, is Duffy number one, Pagan too, but probably a committee. Duffy's good enough if he has the role to be a really good closer. He's had really good skills for the last three years. Yeah, I like that that point on Pagan too. But Duffy right now seems like the guy, as you said. I think we have, there's nothing official that I've seen, but a lot of the buzz around, not just fantasy world, but just like beat reporters and stuff. It's like, okay, Duffy's going to finally get his chance to start the season. But like I said earlier, is we've seen Minnesota juggle that all the time. So it's it, it's a tough one to stand on, but – I think for now, Duffy's the guy, but this is not a situation I'd break the bank and fab for. Like, I don't feel overly confident in it. Like, if you're desperate after four days of baseball, I guess, but I'm not I'm not uh, going and going crazy yet. I'd rather, like you did, go put a couple bucks on Pagan and see what happens. Uh, I was getting late-round shares of Pagan, or at least talking about it with people um, when he was still in San Diego. When yeah. we didn't know what the role was there, because it wasn't Suarez is 100% there. Pagan's closed before. He's, over, he's had over 20 saves in a season before. Like, he's got the experience to do it. And we saw last year with the Twins, Alex Colomay had a lot of saves at the end of the he season. Did. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden Rocco Baldelli goes, you know what, Duffy, you've been awesome in the seventh and eighth innings for us. I'm putting Pagan in the ninth. Nothing, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not the sure other- what he's going to do, but yeah. Yeah, I mean the other the other interesting thing too is there's no really lefty righty comparison mm-hmm. now because Rogers was lefty and so yep. maybe we were thinking it was a you know just based on matchups lefty righty Pagan's right handed Tyler yep. um, Duffy's right handed Alcala's right handed so that maybe lends itself to a little bit more of a structured bullpen again just guessing but since they're all the same hand um, that yep. would actually lead to more of maybe like a pecking order as opposed to uh, matchups so we'll see yeah. We'll see what happens. That's one to watch the weekend. Maybe we'll see yep. a safe chance yep. or two. That will definitely help for sure. We'll discuss that a little later. But uh, let's go to some other minor a minor deal that took place today. Um, Bradley Zimmer, so Justin Mason's probably crying somewhere. Maybe he's happy about it. I don't know, but 
he had a chance to start pretty much every day, or at least you know probably seventy percent of the time in Cleveland. Now he gets traded to the Blue Jays for Anthony Castro. Um, it's a crowded, crowded um, Blue Jays outfield now. So, you know, in deep leagues, people were drafting Zimmer. They were taking chances on Zimmer. He was a late steals option in deep, deep leagues. Pretty much not worth much anymore to me. What are your thoughts? No, I, I, I'm, I'm not interested. A because he's the fifth outfielder now behind Tapia, I would think, and Zimmer just hasn't been that good and i feel like we've been dreaming on what he can do for five years now he's this is a age 29 season so um, at some point you gotta you gotta let him free even if you've been a bradley zimmer proponent for many years i I, i'm not seeing it with toronto like yes two guys could get hurt that lineup's awesome um etc etc but too much too many things have to happen for someone that also doesn't really have the skills in the majors that we've seen anything from. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving on from Bradley Zimmer, which I guess doesn't really make sense. Cause I never really had him in the first place. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I never drafted him either. I know like Mason, that was one of his potential long shot, uh, net Cedric Mullins guys. So, um, we'll see what happens there. It's, it's a rough one for sure. Uh, let's go to Chicago. Some news. If you have Juan Moncada, he's had at least three weeks. It looks like with his, um, what was it? it wasn't oblique what was it, it was an oblique yep it was oblique okay, i thought oblique. i zoned out yeah so it's a muscle injury before the season starts never good <laughs> never good so what's your thoughts on this because these are things that can linger they can pop up again you're not dropping Yohan moncada obviously but this is a big bummer right up the gates this season yeah, it is, especially because it's a soft tissue thing. And I think that was one of the, the listener questions we had, or at least comments or maybe frustrations yeah. uh, leading up to the show today and opening day. But um, yeah, you, you're not dropping Juan Mancata for, for a three-week thing. I think you need to ride this out and just see what happens. But it's definitely a concern just because it is the oblique. That thing can linger. For the White Sox, for HQ, we we, we just wrote this up and it'll be out in the morning for subscribers. But uh, the, the, the replacement looks to be jake berger and that is that is that is not good um in your mixed (laughs) leagues i will probably i mean we were just talking about this in al tout wars in an al only Mm -hmm. league anyone with a pulse and a job um is worth bidding on so i may be ordering up a a very cheap jake berger this weekend in fab but nothing uh nothing substantial and in mixed leagues i i think you just ignore this until um until mancata comes back yeah burger is fun because he's this big lovable fluffy teddy bear type guy that as of he's starting to get a fun social media personality but there's a lot of holes in that swing a lot of power in the swing a lot of power a lot of holes i did not know about the social media personality i need to he started it. it it's not out. like it's, it's not like massive yet, but he's kind of slowly getting there. He was posting stuff throughout spring training, and I want to say he started a YouTube channel or something. I didn't okay. go that far, but uh, he's starting to slowly get going. Um, Some deep draft prep. Yeah. Hey, the lockout was long. Like <laughs> there was there was stuff going on. Yeah, you could only stare at the same ADP for so long. Um, but he's interesting. Like I like him in deep deep leagues if you're desperate at a corner infield. But again. Like I said, with the relievers, I hope you're not desperate yet. Because if you are, it's going to be a long season, I hate to say it. That's going to be a rough one. So, like, if you want to put a couple bucks in because you want to get a power guy, maybe he's got good match, but I haven't even looked at their schedule the next couple of weeks. I'm cool with it. But don't go breaking the bank for Jake Burr because he will be gone the second Mangata can play. And we've seen the peaks and valleys with Burger, and the valleys are pretty deep. So keep that in mind as well. Um, 
let's talk some opening day fun here and we'll start with the the first game we'll kind of just kind of hit on all the games like little quick thoughts or snippets through them um cubs got the dub against the brewers corbin burns looked human he walked yeah. more guys today than he walked over like 100 innings or something last year which is or like 100 something batters or something last year which is crazy but that happens uh nico horner went deep but the takeaway as you put in the outline which was very fun it was like guessing games. Rowan Whip came in in the seventh, I think it was. And when he got in trouble, Michael Givens warmed up. Then, oh, maybe it was the eighth. And then Michael eight. Givens came in. Michael Givens came in. And then Mr. David Robertson, who was a popular fab target last week, locked down the first save of the year. So are we thinking this is going to be the standard? Or what are your thoughts on the Chicago bullpen? Yeah, I know a couple of weeks ago I was I was clamoring to turn up the wick and wick was a well, you wick and me was both. a yeah, yeah, both of us. That's true. Yeah, I had I had about a, I had about a about a three draft run there where I grabbed wick in every draft yep. and it was yeah. Which is fine. You you speculate on those closers and if they don't work out it doesn't burn you too bad, but it definitely I I think Wick, at least tonight, because he did not look good either. So he came in the eighth in a tie game um, and did not get out of the inning. Uh, Givens Givens warmed up and finished out. And actually, I would say Robertson didn't even get the highest leverage spot. It was Givens who got the highest leverage spot with guys on base. Yep, in the the eighth inning to get get Wick out of the jam. So if anything, Givens was kind of the fireman in that in that game today again it's just one game we don't know if this is the actual pecking order if it's a if it's a true committee or what the matchups were and that sort of thing but it's definitely not a good sign for Rowan Wick I will say that um I I I would definitely think this is down to Givens and Robertson I wouldn't just assume it's only going to be Robertson because uh, Givens did come through in the clutch with a strikeout when they needed it with two outs to bail out Wick so um and that and that's just one thing too like and I will probably talk about this in a little bit but like with takeaways on the you know these first Week weekend of games or look at not just the box score but like the situation that these guys are in who they're facing when they're coming in are they coming in with guys on base because you might miss that kind of givens tidbit that he just pitched the eighth and and that was it and robertson was the ninth like that that is what happened but you you miss a little bit of context um by doing it that way so just an interesting thing but yeah uh we'll see chicago uh robertson did look good he he was painting the corners um fastball was sitting like 93 to 95 so that was that was decent and um if you if you if robertson's available absolutely take a stab at him because he pitched the ninth today and as far as we know it could be him going forward but um either him or givens probably a slight lean to robertson at this point yeah i think it's a lean to robertson but i I like your your point on givens there like it's he got the high leverage and that's very very important some things we don't always look at when we go to break things down, it's like that's a that's a really really good point you made on that one. Two, um, just real quick, two. While we're talking about that game, two crazy things in that game was uh, the first. I mean, you touch on Nico Herner mm-hmm. hitting a home run off of Corbin Burns. Like you could you could have given me like fifteen me? fifteen guesses. I never would have thought he'd have been the one to do it. Let's put it that way. Has not hit a home run in the majors since twenty nineteen. Burns, I think, gave up seven home runs all of last season so that was wild and then the other wild thing was kyle Hendricks striking out seven to burns's four um did not see that coming as well Hendricks looked actually he looked okay he gave up three walks as well but um 
I don't know. You can't predict ball. That's that's the beauty of this game and and overreacting to opening day was seeing Kyle Hendricks almost get twice as many K's as Burns and then Burns give up a home run to Nico Horner. Nothing to take away from it at all, I think, but just fun stuff. Very, very fun stuff. That is 100% correct. Now, um, when we look at uh, this, I want to switch over to Cleveland and Kansas City because there were a couple of things that stood out to me quite a bit. And I always screw up when I look at these these charts for um, Savant. But one thing I did hear from people is, you know, Bieber went four and two thirds. I didn't expect him to go too long, but he really didn't throw with a lot of gas. I think his highest pitch, I'm looking at 91.8 miles an hour. He was kind of sitting around 90 most of the game with his fastball, which is not Bieber-esque. Let's put it that way. Um, were there any, I know it's one game, so we probably shouldn't go crazy over this, but do you have any concerns when you see something like that? I do. I mean, yeah, the fastball, let's see, he threw 28 fastballs and average velocity 90.6 miles an hour, which is down two and a half or no, 2.2 miles per hour from last season. So yeah, you never like to see a drop in fastball velocity that far. It was, I mean, it was, it, for folks who watched that game, it was brutally cold. Yeah. Um, it was windy. It rained. It sleeted for a half inning. <laughs> Um, it, it was not ideal conditions. So like, yes, you don't want to see a drop in velocity like that from Bieber, but also take that weather into account. Like it was, it was rough um, at Kaufman today. So um, still, I mean, Bieber still had seven, the slider was working seven whiffs on the slider and 24 pitches. The curveball looked pretty good as well. Um, no whiffs on that fastball. So again, a little bit of a concern, but I wouldn't, wouldn't read too much into it yet. Let's see where Bieber uh, sits at these, these next couple starts. Obviously, if you drafted Bieber, you're not. I mean, he's you're you're all he's on. He's an auto start. You're not dumping him. You're not. I wouldn't really even look to trade him right now. Uh, but that's one thing to keep in mind is is the weather, especially in these early April games. Both uh, Chicago was really cold too. I did not feel um, too jealous to not be at one of those two games today and be on the golf course instead. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple other takeaways. Tristan McKenzie piggybacked that star that was mm-hmm. reported on the broadcast. I didn't know about it before the game, but they talked about that afterwards. He threw three innings, gave up a couple runs. If you have McKenzie, he will find the rotation. I yep. won't get too, wouldn't get too worried about that. That's just early season stuff, in my opinion. Am I wrong, or are you on the same page there? Nope, same deal. And the, okay. um, the Cleveland crew uh, mentioned that same. The announcers mentioned that same thing. So. Um, but I want to go over to the Kansas City side. We talked about Chicago's bullpen, and we know Kansas City. We kind of had the idea it was Scott Barlow's role, but you know, there's Stamont, there's Brents, there's other options in that bullpen, and you never know what they're going to do. And with our first game here, Granky first off went five and two thirds. I think we talked about Granky in the past, or I don't know somewhere, and he did what we, he does one K, but he ate up innings, limited damage. Like he's got a bunch of hard hits, but limited the damage. But the takeaway for me is Brents came for an inning, Stamont a third of an inning. Barlow got the two inning, uh, two inning save, I believe, in this one. Two inning win, he win. Came in I just, yeah, two inning yep, win because he scored in the eight. Eight. Was, yep. Yeah, two inning win for Scott Barlow out of the bullpen. So, a couple things. Looks like it's Barlow's for now. Same time, two innings might mean this is a leverage thing. We might see more mixing and matching, basically. So, I know it's just one game, but any thoughts on this usage? Um, no, no, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, highest leverage was Barlow. And I, I still think he's the guy. I think this is just an example of Kansas city. They are willing to kind of get out a little bit from that traditional closer role. So, um, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think the plan was for him to go two innings anyway, 
Uh, Barlow's first inning, I think he only threw like 10 or 12 pitches. So it was a very light inning. And then they threw him back out there uh, with the lead in the ninth. So they did not go to anybody else to get the save chance in the ninth inning, which is probably a good sign for Barlow. I still think he's the guy and you got a, you got a free win out of him today. So that's pretty good. Plus two innings of good ratios and a couple K's. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, We'll head over to Pittsburgh and uh, St. Louis and part of your, Part of your outline here is the Pirates suck. And yeah, nine to oh. nothing. Like, like I knew it would be bad, but this was rough. And so rough that uh, Wainwright looked downright yeah. filthy. When you look at uh, just his overall, his line here, he got six innings, five hits, no runs, six Ks, no walks. Looked very efficient there. And when you look at a little deeper when it comes to Wainwright, just his overall production, because I had like Curlin and some other guys messaging me in a DM. He was, he was pumping with some gas early on. He finished with an average of almost 90 on the sinker, which for him still pretty good. Like if he can sit around 90 with his other pitches, that could be fun. I know he threw a 67 mile an hour curveball at one point in time. So that was uh, fun as well. But I was worried about Wano coming in this year, coming off that monster season. And obviously it's the Pirates. I'm not going to overreact here, but what's your thoughts on this performance from him? Or is, do, you, do you credit him with being pretty good or is it the Pirates are that bad? I guess a little bit of both, but I would say the Pirates, especially with uh, with Cabrian Hayes leaving the game after his first at bat, um, a bad lineup got even worse. Like there was nobody except for Brian when Reynolds. Vo- Vogelbach I mean, is leading Vogelbach's off, like, hitting what? lead off. <laughs> the the other Diego Castillo stepped in at, and was hitting thirds. Uh, Yoshi Susigo is your he went two for three. Guy. Did go two for three. <laughs> um, was pinch hit for by Josh Van Meter before Kevin Newman. Like it's um I feel bad for Pirates fans. We knew it was gonna be this way, but it was just uh, we were sitting there on the couch and and looking at the Pirates lineup, and it was just like, man, it 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 just drove the point home. Like you need to be streaming anybody available in your leagues this year against the pirates because if this was their opening day lineup and and fortunately for brian hayes it sounds like this was minor and good for him for inking that contract before they came this morning um he'll be back it sounds like on saturday which which is awesome news for him but barely moves the needle and i would expect brian reynolds probably get dealt anyway there are rumors of that before the season but uh but yeah just drove point drove the point home that uh that's a that's a terrible lineup, a terrible bullpen. Um, JT Brubaker was the opening day starter. Did not look good. Surprise. Um, just just not good stuff in Pittsburgh this year. A little more on the Cardinals real quick here. Carlson let off. Very productive. Scored a couple of runs. But yeah, Tyler O'Neill, a couple of hits, five RBIs and a home run. Arenado went deep. Tommy Edmond even went deep. Harrison Bader had a couple of hits. So your fantasy relevant players pretty much gave you a little bit of something in this game which was fun um any any oh, thoughts Goldschmidt. on these guys Goldschmidt stole the base which is which is which is we, huge walk which four is times, tremendous but... yeah um, so any thoughts yeah. on the the cards not really I, I, I again you don't want to overreact uh but it was really good to see Goldschmidt steal a base like I I if you have any light at all at any point during the season, especially from someone who's older and at a position where you don't get many steals. Like that's important to me. So that was good to see uh Goldie do his thing there. It was kind of cool to see Tommy Edmund go deep after yeah. all of the, uh, oh, I'm one of the haters. So yeah, uh, was... <laughs> there's oh, just yeah. been a lot of, um, I'll say pre-opening day victory laughing about yep. his lineup spot, which yep. 
Guilty. Whatever. Uh, he had a home run out of the ninth hole, and and that was fun. It was a it was they, barely they, a wall. They had, had to review it. They had to review it. They had to review it. Hit the top of the wall. Uh, <laughs> the ump reviewed it, and it was the first time that we had heard the ump. Uh, you know, kind of like football Mike. style. Like, yep. yeah, the players under review. He didn't actually say that, but he did say something to the effect of you know, the call in the field stands or something like that. Uh, so that was kind of cool uh, to see that, to hear that for the first time. But, uh, but yeah, some poetic justice. I saw Toby tweeted out a, um, a fun little uh, thing on Tommy Edmond. Got some, got some, got some rising on Twitter today. So um, who knows? But yeah, Edmond did. Edmond did hit ninth, but did hit a bomb out of there uh, as as short as it actually traveled. Yeah, we'll see how that continues on for sure. But it was a fun uh, drubbing, as it might be all weekend. If you're a Pirates fan, Rob DiPietro's in the chat, and he says. Uh, that awesome trendy retro light looks like it's Bloomfield's mic when it's right over your shoulder oh, this like thing, that. This thing behind me. Thanks, Rob. I, I um, don't know if I don't know if trendy's the right word. It was just in my basement, but Rob's in Rob's in uh, on the team Edmund train because him, Toby, Weimer, and um, the robot are all in a group chat together. So you, they're all on team Edmund. So keep keep an eye on that one. But let's Charged head to the nation's capital where Tyler Miguel got the start because Max Scherzer to get pushed back a day, and Miguel did not disappoint. Five innings, three hits, no walks, six Ks. Pure filth is the the nicest way I'll put it. It was just nasty. And his fastball maxed out at 99, average 96. Changeup averaged almost 90. Um, his CSW on the day was 34%, which is pretty, pretty good, if you ask me. So... It, this this Nats team, like we know they're not great, but ain't no joke either. Um, and he was filthy, absolutely filthy, Ryan. He was. It was awesome to see Siler McGill do his thing. Took him in the fourteenth round, Siler which McGill, the, uh, <laughs> which was the earliest I took uh, I took Cy in the main last night. And so I was I was watching his start um, with with interest today. And yeah, the fastball velocity, like he came out, the adrenaline was pumping because he was like almost sitting 98 in the first inning and the second inning was down more to like uh 95 96 but you're right average 96.1 which is a buck and a half higher than last year the changeup had a lot of downward movement to it got him out of a double play right after a, a i believe it was a francisco lindor error and the next uh so that that showed something good too uh, mcgill rebounded from that induced a double play with the change up if you watch one at bat um in on opening day watch mcgill versus juan soto i believe it was in the second or third inning um mcgill just blew 98 with uh runners on the corners and one out it was a big spot in the game blew 98 right past soto and it was it, the whole at bat was really fascinating but if you if you go back and watch one at bat today um i would i would watch mcgill versus soto in the um probably was the third inning actually um check that out it was really cool a few innings later trevor may pitch uh through the same pitch to soto who hit it in the upper deck uh i think mays was at like 96 to mcgill's 98 so those two miles an hour difference matter especially, especially and, to a guy like soto Exactly, especially yeah. to guy like Soto. So well, it's funny. I'll, I'll let you go here in a minute, but it was it's funny that May is the one that gave it up because it was one of their last spring training games against the Nationals. May was talking in the dugout, and I remember they showed the clip, and uh, Soto hit an oppo bomb, and uh, he announced it for the Mets. He goes, so do you want to get, uh, tell us what you think? A little play by play of that. He's like, Hey, he's good. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> Not all you can say. Yeah, he's like, he's good. What do you want me to do? <laughs> 
That uh, speaking of lineups, we were just talking about the Pirates. Yeah, the Nationals lineup is brutal. Um, outside of outside of Soto and Cruz, that's a pretty it's a pretty rough that's a pretty rough crew. We've got Victor Robles bunting already in his first at bat, trying to get um, Alcides Escobar from first to second. Like it's oh, uh, it's it's not good. It's not good outside of those two for the Nationals. But um, but. But yeah, uh, McGill. Going back to McGill, you know, you don't want to don't want to claim victory at all after one start. But he looked he looked really impressive. Let's see how far, a how far he can take this, but also how far he can keep that velocity bump. Like you don't want to go too crazy over one outing. But um, yeah. but he did look really good today. And at least we don't have to talk about the A's lineup because that's I, I'm I'm afraid to see what that looks like tomorrow. Next, so that's going to be next week's pod. Cool, man. That'll be we could spend an hour talking about how bad it is. Um, real quick, just because I, I have to, because people ask my Patrick Corbin thoughts all the time. Mm-hmm. But I was excited to see him. You know, he's hit 92 with the fastball, averaging almost 91, which is good to see him again. He had a 28% CSW on the fastball, which made me feel a little better about life on and an overall 28% CSW out there. So. Still, can you want more? Yes, 100%. But he was much more be- – he was better. Let's put that way. I don't know what the exact word to use with Corbin this go-around, but very serviceable, that's for sure. So if he can continue that, you can make do this season. We'll see how it continues on. But that was a at least a little bit of a, a bright moment when it came to Patrick Corbin. Yeah, and, and I think it was scoreless through the first few innings, and then it all kind of mm-hmm. unraveled at once. But the big thing I was I've been watching with Corbin is is fastball velocity. He was the biggest gainer in fastball velocity last season from the second half to first half, and that went down a little bit this tonight to ninety two point three, down a buck and a half from last year. So um, I'm a little worried. Too, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm a little worried that and only two whiffs on twenty four sliders. Like you don't want to see that. Um, Keep the faith. I'm not, I'm not saying to give up on your boy, but um, let's let's ma- let's maybe bench him for for next week. I don't know who they play, but I don't uh, even think I, I don't think I don't even think I had him in every lineup today. Let's put it that way. I, yeah. I didn't need to, thank God. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting as things go along. Reds at the Braves. Tyler Molly, five innings, no earned, seven Ks. Uh, dodged some bullets, but got the job done. Max Fried, on the other hand, great first inning. Not great the rest of the way. Five and two-thirds, five earned, five strikeouts, and his way to his uh, loss on the season. Any thoughts on these two starting pitchers? One very good, one not so much. I've been really interested to see what Tyler Malley would look like. Um, and, yeah, this was a very big step forward. Malley in the second half, I believe it was the second half of last year where things kind of went haywire for him. Yeah, in the second half, Malley had a well 387 ERA, but the – Swing the strikeout rate went way down in the first half last season. It was 30% down to 25% in the second half with the drop in velocity, with the drop in swinging strike rate, and especially on the slider, it got a lot fewer whiffs in the second half last season. So, um, I know that Tyler Malley has better skills than what we saw at the end of last season. It was nice for him to do this against a really good lineup. So, that context can work both ways to do what Mally did against Atlanta in Atlanta, even without a Cunha. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded lineup um, is, is really good for, for uh, the first start and for going forward. So good on Mally. Yeah. Austin Riley, three for four with the bomb. He had a big day, but the only guy that did anything for Atlanta. So that was good to see uh, flip side, Brandon jury. We thought Nico Horner was a fun one. Brandon jury, who I couldn't even have told you played on the reds 
um, hit a home run, uh, the three-run homer that kind of did the separating in this game. So that was a fun one as well. Might be lying when, uh, when yeah, if I said I knew Brandon yeah. Drury was starting tonight for the Reds. That was one that popped up on my phone, MLB home run, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I'm with you on that one. Uh, there's two games still going on. I just want to mention San Diego, Arizona. Darvish had a no-no through six. He lost it, but he had a no-no through six, which is pretty impressive on opening day. So that's fun. Um, really not much we can take away. Otani looked okay in his limited. Framber's still on in the seventh right now as he's Mr. Efficient in this game. Uh, any quick thoughts on these two games as we're kind of still hanging in, in air with these ones? Just ground balls galore from Framber Valdez. I don't think people realize – how elite that skill is no one Mm -hmm. in the last i believe it's the last 20 years that i've gone back and looked had the amount of innings and over 60 percent um ground ball rate that framber valdez had last season so um it 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 got him tonight he got he got out of a double play early in the game um that got him out of a jam so that was that was good to watch um and then the other game, which what was oh Sandy? Yeah, so I was interested in seeing Madison Bumgarner because he was one of yeah. I put I put a bloom board out last or early this week, I believe, just kind of wrapping up spring training. And I did a velocity increase for uh, at least the parks that not not every spring training park has that cast, so it's not a full list. Uh, but I put out velocity fastball velocity gainers in 2022 spring training versus um, versus last season, and Madison Bumgarner. I was back up sitting like 92. He's one of the top gainers from last season. So I was interested to see how he would look against San Diego. And I think he walked the bases loaded in the third or fourth inning, had four walks on the night, only went three innings. So it must have been the beginning of the fourth. And um, disappointing. I was taking, I was looking at in the main last night, taking a stab at Bumgarner. And like after the 25th round, I ended up not getting him. Uh, but just interesting to see. Let's see where uh, I don't. I don't have the velocity in front of me for how he looked tonight, but um, the lack of control for Bumgarner is a little bit uncharacteristic. But I was interested to see how he looked, and I guess he did not. Uh, Let me tell you, test. I got it right here. So, Mad Bum maxed out at uh, 89.7 on the cutter, 93.1 on the four seam. Huh? So uh-huh. he averaged 91.6 on the four seam. Uh, only uh, he had zero whiffs on six four seam. Fa- or no, he had 22 four seam fastballs. Six swings, zero whiffs on the fastball. He only had four total whiffs on 28 swings today. Not great. No. 19% CSW overall. You want much more than that, of course. So uh, we'll see. He had 16 foul balls, so guys were fouling him off. He just wasn't putting them away. Yeah, the walks are going to do him in because he needs to be efficient without being dominant these days. So that's going to be interesting to see how that one plays. And uh, Anthony Rendon, oh, just foul. Just fell. This is why I love doing podcasts with games on. It just totally like stops everything. But um, it's, it's wonderful audio, I'm sure. But, oh yeah, people uh, love cool it for us. People love it. But uh, let's talk about some things we're looking forward to this weekend because we kind of, if people listen to how we broke down these games, you got to see what we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Like uh, paying attention to things, and uh, I don't go into every game, but games I'm curious about, I will look at and and do the quick perusing on these. But um, you got velo changes down here. Anybody particular or just in general, are you looking for velocity changes? Uh, yeah, that's just in general velocity changes. And it's a great point, Bubba. Like we've kind of hit on these a little bit as we've gone through just the the, the smaller list of games at opening day. Um, 
velocity changes, but like like I said with the Bieber example, kind of try and take a little bit of context, especially early April games mm-hmm. with the weather. Um, Luis Castillo would like to talk to you if you don't understand this. Yes, Luis Castillo <laughs> would like to have a word, and he fortunately gets to skip April as he's delayed with a shoulder injury, which maybe not as fortunate for him. Yeah, we'll see. Um, One thing we haven't talked about, just because I have not been able to look at this information yet, but I will be uh, very soon and probably putting stuff out on Twitter on things that I find at pitch mix changes. Mm -hmm. I mentioned this with the Suarez example earlier being aggressive with drops i i think that's even much more important on the pitcher side this is the time to be able to try and look at not only who has the best you know strikeout minus walk rate and that sort of thing but go one level deeper and see is there an actual like change in approach that's driving that and pitch mix is a great way to do that pitch mix and velocity but um, if you see guys upping usage on some of their better pitches throwing a new pitch fading a bad pitch that sort of thing throwing you know ditching a four seamer for a cutter with a little bit more movement those types of things and and they're getting skills even if it's for like a start or two you need to be aggressive early in the season in fab and and go after those guys i mean lucas giolito is the ultimate example of that when he broke out with um, with the White Sox, he had the velocity increase and a change in pitch mix. People who identified that early in April and Pounce and Fab had the whole season to reap those rewards. So um, pitch mix changes is definitely something that I'll be diving into and looking at this weekend. And then bullpen usage. Again, uh, use the example of the Cubs and the Reds to, I guess have an example of how we look at that for certain games. So I um, won't go too much into there, but yeah, look at, look at when these guys are being used, what kind of leverage, if there's any uh, matchup things to take into consideration with uh, bullpen. So those are, those are the three big things that I'm looking at on the pitcher side this weekend. Yeah. The bullpen one will be big because there's a lot of question marks and, you know, we made a lot of moves on this first fab week, but there might be a few that pop up here. Uh, this week and just based on usage and mm-hmm. and like you said the givens thing is a perfect example like you, you it's not just starting pitchers we have to look at the conditions and the situation relievers is big too and that's how guys like phil Dusso and greg jewett and doug dennis and all these guys go out and uh they see the leverage and that might not be the closer next week or the week after but they'll be there in three weeks stuff mm-hmm. like that and so it's just something to keep an eye on if you want to start specking for a buck or two instead of spaying in like 160 bucks these are the ways to do it like it's the old saying I know Vlad and other guys talk about it, is you should be churning and burning something on your roster. Well, if you have a Robert Suarez, go see who got some high leverage spots this past week and go, I'd, I'd be willing to go that route type situation. Yep. But um, little things like that with the closers is definitely a good thing to see. Um, I mean, I, I like the pitch mix and velo because the spring training is so annoying. We haven't got to see a lot of it because it's just not available which is tough. And um, Zimmerman's been busy, so he wasn't doing the, the velocity change charts. And I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. So it, um, it will be done with something to definitely keep an eye on. Because like we saw Giolito, he got bigger and was throwing better this spring. That moves his ADP up. But is it a real thing? Was it a spring thing? Well, we'll find out this weekend, at least in one start for a little bit. So definitely some kind of uh, things along those lines. Before we get to the hitters things, I feel – like I did a disservice to an individual if we don't talk about it real quick. We skipped right over it, but I saw the bottom line come through. And I'm like, oh. Kyle Hendricks was filthy today. Filthy with the changeup. I'm not sure if you saw it or not. So I feel really bad that we because he's a guy he that was. everybody wanted last year, came through this year. He had 13 whiffs on 22 swings on his changeup. 
with a 45% CSW. It was filthy. Follow um, if if I'm sure most listeners are following Alex Chamberlain on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex has been a big Hendrix proponent for years now. He he had a, a good little I don't know soliloquy, mini thread, whatever on Kyle Hendrix. Uh, so check that out. I will not even attempt to pronounce mm-hmm. his Twitter handle. So just search Alex yeah. Chamberlain Fangraphs and you'll find him. Um, yeah, 13 whiffs on 33 changeups is pretty sweet. Um, We'll see. It's worth yeah. pointing out. That's why I wanted to bring it up, though, because I'm still slightly hesitant from what we saw last year. Again, yeah. weather, first game of the year, early game, lots of things could be in play. But, man, if he could find that role that he had all before last year, that could be fun. That yep. could be fun. And the, in your the three walks, but yeah. I don't know, in one your, game. In your 10 and 12 team leagues, probably more 10, he might still be available. So yeah. it's, it make, and as I try to remind people, most people play in 10 and 12 team leagues. So keep an eye when you start searching that kind of stuff. Um, things you're looking for this weekend when it comes to hitters, Ryan. Hitter side, I'm, I'm much more, and this is maybe just my style. I don't know. Um, I'm much more patient with hitters. If you've got, I mean, obviously if Mike Trout goes over 20 this weekend, you're not doing, you're keeping him in your lineup. Um, I, I feel like pitchers can reinvent themselves a lot quicker and it's just a lot easier to quantify things like velocity, pitch mix, movement, that sort of thing, than it is to see if a hitter has remade himself. Um, I think you need to be a lot more patient on the hitter side. So I'm not really looking at hitter skills for quite a while, actually. Um, even if I have like a, trying to think of just like a random 15th round pick, um, whatever if i if i drafted someone in the you know middle rounds and he struggles for the first week or two i'm still probably not doing anything about it the only thing i'm really looking at for hitters is is playing time and and lineup position things like that um i do especially some of the fringe guys um if they're not playing then that's that's an issue um you want guys on your team that play this sounds really simple like you know they don't play pay us the big bucks to say that but um Playing time is important. If, yep. if you've got fringe guys who are not playing, you need to look at dropping them and be aggressive and finding guys that do play. Uh, but in terms of a of a skill, if, if someone's got a high strikeout rate, a low hard hit rate, a low barrel rate through the first month of the season, a lot of that is just variance. And I'm, I'm really not too worried about it. If there's one thing you want to look at, if you're just eager and itching to find something, you can use um, – max exit velocity is what a lot of a lot of people like to use in really small samples and that just that's basically just what's your hardest hit ball and how fast did it go and you can compare that to last season um and that there have been a lot a lot of studies done on max exit velo um that kind of at least make it somewhat predictable in, in small samples compared to everything else that we have available in the tool set so if you're itching to do something um max exit velocity but again i would uh, i would be patient with your hitters as long as they're playing yeah i'm 100 with you and, and there's been tons of great work done on uh for hitters how long it takes to actually stabilize to get like a feel of how these guys are actually doing good or bad because everybody slumps throughout the season it's just what do you do when you're not slumping and yep. it's the old jokes like if they play almost every day it, like the difference between hitting like two like 280 and 300 or something's like three hits a month or something yep. it's like so minuscule in the grand scheme of things that you panic over it but you really shouldn't it's like so silly um like you mentioned mcgill gave up one hit that was a blooper to left field like that counted for the guy's batting average just remember that so mm-hmm. um it, it's don't panic and, and kind of sit and wait i'm with you there the pitcher's 
when you can see some like velo issues or whatever that's you can maybe put a little more red flag up on that and get ahead of the game there or a hitter it's just you know he might still be getting loose smaller spring training this is he's not facing the, the double a pitcher in the second inning today he's facing shohei otani for three at bats like make difference so and plus this weekend you're getting most of the top of the rotation then you will next week so keep that in mind also um playing time though as if i sat down and like started looking at team by team i could name a bunch of guys but one guy i wanted to just bring up because i am seriously looking at playing time and we talked there's a listener question on lineups so i won't mention some other guys till then but josh Lowe is one i seriously want to look at because i think some of us are either fortunate or not depends on how you look at it that uh, he got dropped this past week in a lot of leagues because you should have. You should have dropped him. He was in the minor leagues until Austin Meadows got traded. And now you have Josh Lowe up here who on paper should have an everyday playing time, but he might not because it's the Rays. So I want to see that before I put Fab bids in this weekend. Because he, yep. yeah, he has 20-20 upside, but I want to see him play. So that's interesting. And that is we will see, I mean, by Fab Sunday, we will have three data points. So we'll have three lineups to see how Tampa – has used him. I, I would think, I would hope, if you're bringing someone of Lowe's caliber up that you're going to play every day. But we did not see that with C.J. Abrams, for example, mm-hmm. um, with the Padres tonight. So we'll see. But yeah, monitor those lineups. That's a perfect example, Bubba, of, of who's playing. And even with someone like Lowe, I don't really care where he hits. If he hits yeah. ninth, I you know whatever. As long as he's playing, I'm I'm happy and I'm 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 aggressive this weekend in Fab. So that's he's a, a legit twenty twenty bat. So if he's at least playing every day, I'm in. But yeah. we got to see how that one plays out. Um, some listener questions here before we head on out and uh, enjoy the end of this pitchers duel in Anaheim. Uh, Simon P asks, my ML only auction is this weekend. Bellinger and Yellick will be available for bidding. So what do you guys think? My gut says avoid, but I'm no expert. There's about 30% inflation, and for some context, Castellanos is being kept at $38, Harper at $37. How much would you pay for Bellinger and Yelich? It's NL only. If he said AL only, I'd quickly say – I mean, if he said mixed league, I'd quickly say no because it's just my, my philosophy on these guys. But NL only, guys are in play. Yeah, they are – yeah, Bellinger and Yelich are absolutely not avoids in, in L, NL only. It's easy to sit here and just kind of bag on these two guys. And Yelich, I mean, we didn't talk about this, but he he looked terrible today. Yeah. Uh, Robertson made him look uh, foolish with a curveball late in the in the game. Again, just one at bat, but, like, man, uh, just did not have the aggressiveness and just uh, – it, it didn't look good for Yelich today. That said, yeah, and then I'll only there those guys are probably worth at least twenty bucks. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know your you know with with inflation and that sort of thing, whatever. But those are those are those are guys you don't want to avoid. I would say if you had to pick one right now, I would I would lean Bellinger, um, and I've I've been that way throughout draft season just because Bellinger is younger, um, does not have the kind of back stuff that can recur with Yelich and I don't know like I said one at bat today or one game today but watching Yelich today didn't did nothing to change that opinion Um, one other thing I'll add and I saw this on Twitter is three of the smartest guys in in fantasy baseball are on um, Bellinger and that's Phil Dussault that's Vlad and that's Casey Cha and you know, it's not a, a blind appeal to authority, but if those three guys are all in on someone like Bellinger and you're and you're deciding between a Bellinger and a Yelich, um, go belly and 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 blame those three guys if it doesn't work out. 
Oh, trust me, I have a bunch of. Uh, I am a very sarcastic person. My friends understand that, so I'm going to have fun with Vlad if things go wrong because Vlad gets it. But uh, mm-hmm. Vlad usually doesn't get things wrong very often, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah, you got um, to pick your spots and go with him. Exactly. Yeah. But one question, I, I want to kind of play devil's advocate here for a second because I don't play a lot of only leagues. You obviously at least play some. Um, with the idea with Yelich, barring just complete catastrophe, he's going to play pretty much every day and probably in the middle of that order, which is a good order. For Bellinger, there's still avenues of potential platoons like we saw at times last year. Would that change your approach in the draft, or is that just like, hey, some, it, it happens? Like, okay, things went wrong, it happens, and you still go Bellinger, or do you kind of put that into play at all for an inel only situation? Um, it's a it's a good it's a good point uh, because in these only leagues at bats are king. Um, you you have to have guys that play. I'd still lean Bellinger even with that that risk. You're right. Like as long as Yelich is not on the IL, he's he's gonna play in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the more Yelich plays, he's kind of just doing more and team. more damage yeah. to your team. So like uh, in this case, I'd, I'd still go Belly. Ooh, Alex Bregman going deep. There yep. we go. Um, Yancey Eaton, you guys might have heard of him before. Good buddy. Uh, biggest lineup order surprise. Okay, here we go. Nola was leading off versus a lefty. Swanson batting ninth. We kind of knew Swanson was there if you follow Mike Curlin. Um, Aristis Aquino batting second. It's because a lefty was on. I guarantee you, Tyler Naquin will be in there tomorrow. Just gonna throw that one out there. But that's a platoon thing, which you're gonna see this weekend. Um, and then CJ Abrams, this is one I want to talk about. Didn't he made the team but didn't start? I think it's because a lefty was on the mound. That's my two cents. Abrams is more of a platoon piece for now, contrary to what a lot want to believe. Yeah, I think it probably is platoon for now. And I'm just trying to see. No, he has not come in yet since Bumgarner's been out of the game. But that's probably what it is with Abrams. Um, I'd I'd still, similar to what we were just talking about with Lowe, I would like to see Abrams get everyday playing time if you're going to have someone of his caliber of a prospect. I know he hasn't had a lot of time in the high minors, which is concerning to me. Uh, but if you're going to call that guy up, I mean, use him. I mean, they, yep. they, they started Kim tonight who did have a steal. Um, but I would like to see Abrams. I mean, you're just stunning his growth. If you don't play him against lefties, it's just that reinforcing, okay, he can't hit lefties, but then you also don't give him a chance to actually do it. And one of my biggest wrong. pet peeves, man. So. Yeah, I, I I've heard I heard it for years as a Giants fan with Brandon Belt. They said it all the time. You can't hit him, can't hit him. They never let him. They finally let him hit him. He's a little better than league average. Like he's not killing your team. Like they'll never hit him if you don't let him hit him. Like you said. So I hate that with a passion when people do that. Uh, one Zodster, one, one yeah. quick lineup thing that uh, just to answer the question and this may be sarcastic, but it would be cleanup hitter Matt Duffy. Is the most surprising thing as Jordan Alvarez goes Bomb. deep off of deep center lefty. field. Um, yeah, <laughs> cleanup hitter that. Matt Duffy. I missed having was, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing Otani, Trout, Rendon, Matt Duffy was was interesting. Yeah, Matt Duffy hitting cleanup. I literally had the double take when I saw. I tweeted it out like, "What?" Because that out of all the options on that roster, that was your cleanup hitter. But that's Joe Madden at his finest, right there, folks. That's what Joe Madden does. Um, so that was surprising. The other one I wanted to t- to bring up. I'm glad I was going to go right past this, but I wanted to talk about it. Johnny VR was not in the lineup today at all with a righty on the mound. Was I not happy? No, I wasn't. But part of when the move happened. I'm like, my goal is 130 to 140 games. I think we talked about it on this show when it first happened. That's what he usually plays. 
that means you're going to give the kids a chance. And then when things get rocky, VR starts to get his. Secondly, home opener, you're going to let the kids go play in the home opener. That's kind of my thought. I I could be wrong. I could be staying optimistic here, but I'm not in full panic mode if I have Johnny VR yet because if you drafted Johnny VR to be a starter on your team, that's a problem already too. So I'm not I'm not panicking on VR. What were your thoughts when he was not in the lineup? I I agree. I didn't want to I didn't want to see him not out there, uh, but not panicking either. A lot of mostly because a like you mentioned, Bubba, you didn't hopefully didn't draft him assuming he'd be a full-time player i do think eventually he probably will be because this leads to my next point is that vr just has so many different paths to playing time um i think we mentioned this uh last show where uh hq we've got him projected second third short outfield and so if any one of those um those open up vr is is there and probably is a full-time player so yes on opening day maybe a little disappointing that he didn't get in there but i if i drafted vr I am not, I'm not cutting him this week over this, and I, I would at least give it another week, see how often he plays, and then maybe even beyond that, and just let, um, for example, Patrick Wisdom uh, tumble. Let I, I know even though Nico Horner went deep, like let let let's see how these guys fare over a longer sample before we give up on uh, on VR, who basically backs up everybody in that lineup. So. Yep, 100% agree, so don't panic yet. Uh, the Doc Mike Carter, he was the one that asked, what do the White Sox do for three weeks without Yuan Moncada? I talked about that earlier. Jake Berger time for now, so maybe get a side of fries and enjoy. Um, MS, at SMMS asks, is it even worth speculating on a Minnesota closer role given their past propensity to shuffle guys in and out of the role? We kind of hit on that too, if you want to rehash it real quickly for him. Um, I'm not going to speculate much unless you can get really cheap with Emilio Pagan. That's where I would speculate. So that's the thing. Like, yeah, it, it kind of depends on the, on the on the question being like, what 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 are you giving up by speculating? Um, so if it costs you nothing to pick up a Duffy or a Pagan, and those would be my two in that order, then absolutely do it and let's see how it shakes out. If it's a tough drop or you have to spend a good chunk of your fab money, again, given the, given the information we know as of opening day, night, opening night, um, I would not open up the wallet for one of those two guys. So it all depends on what you're giving up to um, to hold either one. Yeah, yeah, 100% with you on this one. But, uh, Ryan, it's going to wrap us up, friend. Opening days in the books. Any final thoughts as we head into the weekend? We kind of hit on most of it, but any final thoughts for the listeners? We got Masters weekend, big weekend. We got yeah. more baseball. All like there's 13 games on Friday. There's five games early if you're DFS brain. Five games early, three middle games, and then five late games. It's spread out through the entire day. It's glorious. I, I was gonna say tomorrow. I mean, today it was kind of. We were. I was saying this to my buddy. I mean, it was kind of lackluster. Like, yeah. especially the afternoon slate. There were only two games. There were a couple cancellations. I know, uh, but there were only those two afternoon games, and three of the four teams were Kansas City, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. So it was just kind of like. Uh, but yeah, Friday's the day, man. Um, so many games all all day long. I would say. Just advice for this weekend, sit back and enjoy it. Like we have waited so long for this. And there were there were weeks this offseason where I didn't even know that this would even happen. Um, definitely at least in April, uh, but even further than that with the CBA. So so enjoy it. If you want to fire off some some Twitter takes and 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 relish in your first round pick going deep, 
I don't care. Have fun with it. Uh, that's why we do this. And then, um, and then regroup on Sunday and, and, and get prepped for your fab. So that's what I would do. Enjoy the fact that we have games these next couple of days and then uh, get back to the grind on, on Sunday by uh, prepping your moves. 100% agree. Have a lot of fun with it. Don't forget, fab is just around the corner. We have that weekly grind called fab. So that'll be fun as well. And for those that um, do have Robert Suarez, because Taylor Rogers isn't there yet, Suarez is starting the bottom of the ninth in a save situation. So you might get at least <laughs> one, you might get at least one save out of this because Taylor Rogers, I doubt he's even in Arizona yet, or at least playing. So at least you might get something out of this. Let's keep an eye on that. Now, if tomorrow Rogers is there and Suarez closes, Everything we said goes out the window. So enjoy. But uh, this is the fun of uh, that's fantasy hilarious. baseball. Uh, Rogers that's is Rogers is in route. Can't get to yep. the field in time to to show up for his for his ninth inning. That's, I, I hope he doesn't have like funny. a thirty save bonus clause and he finishes with twenty nine this year. That'd be a rough one. Because <laughs> his like flight that. was delayed. Mm-hmm. Minnesota bad weather couldn't get out. Yeah. But all right, we'll wrap it up there, everybody. Again, you can check out Ryan on Twitter at ryanbhq. I'm at bdentrick. This was Bub in the Bloom, episode three. Catch you guys next week. better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.